In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good afternoon, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you? I'm good. When you told me um, we were getting this guest, I uh, thought you were actually lying to me, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Uh, I didn't think... Uh, I thought you were just pulling my legs. So, uh, no, now this actually happened. Well done, Paul. What a fantastic guest. And thank you, Eric, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, for sure. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, where in the world are you at the moment? I'm in Seattle, home, Seattle, Washington, sitting on my couch, bored out of my mind, waiting, waiting all day to, to, to do this because it's, it's like the highlight of my day for the day. I have nothing else to do. <laughs> we don't hear that often, Jack. We're the highlight of someone's day. But... Uh, and luckily, it's not too bad. It's a nice short week. Game days on Thursday, so uh, nearly there. I, I've heard a rumour, Eric, you're going out to the game tomorrow. Yes, I'm going out <laughs> to the game. I'm, I actually am doing a, a Channel 19 pregame show for the, for the game, so I, I'll be at the game, and, and with any luck, I'll, I'll, I'll put a uniform on. Excellent. I can't play. I can't play, but I'll put a uniform on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could do some better with some of the uh, pump returns. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's all relative. It's kind of hard with, with pump returns because there's so many variables that determine whether pump returns are, are, are good or not. I mean, the way, the way they kick the ball throughout the NFL this year, especially a lot of people are starting to use the Australian style of kicking, it's hard to get, get returns because they're hanging the ball up for a long time and they're, and they're spinning it differently. And so coaches, special teams or coaches are telling the kickers, we'd rather you hang the ball up there and, and have a net of 40 yards as opposed to kicking at 60 yards and giving a, a net of, of 20 yards. And so that, that makes it hard. But the, the, the key is just every opportunity you get when, when, the, when the guys are up front working hard and blocking for you, you get those opportunities. You just got to take advantage of it. And – if you don't score a touchdown, the key is to try to see how many first downs you can get for the offense to create a short field. Yeah. And uh, my first question uh, for you, Eric, is which person in the current Browns organization would you most want to go for a beer with? <laughs> in the current Browns organization? Yeah. Does, does Jim Brown count as in the organization? Um, well, it's a good point, Eric, but... Um, he is. Is he on the payroll? Do you think? I don't know. He, he is. He, he is. But so so currently, it's going to be Kevin Mack, for sure. All right, great. And uh, are you a big beer drinker yourself? I don't. I don't drink beer at all. Any alcoholic drinks? Uh, oh, I bet I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but I don't drink beer. I, I'm a. I'm a vodka drinker. Okay, good. So you'd have a you'd have a vodka with him. Okay, Here's, so when the beer fridges 
fingers crossed, open at the game, you're not going to be drinking. No, I'm not going to be drinking because because I have to do the post game of the show as well, and so so I I'm not going to be drinking. I need to go on TV. I mean, I, I guess I could be excused because it's been so long since they've had a victory that they might excuse me, right? <laughs> okay. And I ask all my guests on this uh, on the show, what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? I'm not willing to give up any of mine. But I'm, <laughs> Eric, come on, mate. But I'm, but I'm sure there are many people who would be willing to get mine. Mine aren't any good. My fingers hurt. My back hurts. My knees hurt. They, they're not any good. So I need all my mine at this, uh-huh. this stage. But I am really, I would, I would really be excited if that were to happen. Now, and, and I'll pick one of you guys to give up a, a, a body part for me. Yeah, Eric, the best, best one we've had so far is a heart. <laughs> A heart? Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not giving that up, but I'll give up my, my I'll give up my wig. <laughs> All right. You've heard it here first. Eric's willing to give up his wig for Browns <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. All right, great. And, um, yeah, some of our uh, um, regular listeners have um, asked some questions for you. Okay. Uh, David Sharp has asked, which current NFL running back reminds him most of yourself? Well, when I when I think of the players in the NFL, I don't really think of them as position-wise who will remind me of myself. I think of just players in general. So when I, I think about, say, a, a Tavon Austin, although he, he's playing more receiver now, but he, he has the ability to get in the backfield like he has in the past, as, as well as return kicks and punts. So I think of him first and foremost because I know he's somebody who's done all those things. And, and that's what I did throughout my career, so I, I gravitate to him. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Uh, Bobby Nachos has asked, who was the best ever teammate you've played with? I, I, can't, I can't do that one. <laughs> I, I cannot do – I refuse to answer that question with one person because, I mean, there are so many great teammates that I had both on, on every team I played with that it's, it's hard to single them out, but – when when I, I think of that, when answering that question, I think of the Browns as a team. Like 1989, my my rookie year, that team I pick as my single because the way those guys brought me in and they took care of me and they, they treated me like I had been there forever. And and that was a real team that stuck stuck together. And every man was out there playing for each other. And, and, and that's why we were good teammates at the AFC Championship. So, a different one, not best, but which teammate did you have the most fun with down the years? Oh. Uh, got any little stories? Uh, no, no stories. <laughs> but but, but, I, but I, I can say I had lots of fun with Reggie Langhorn, lots of fun with Kevin Mack, lots of fun with... Webster Slaughter, lots of fun with Bernie Kozar, lots of fun with Eric Turner. It just all, it depended on the night. <laughs> who, who, was on, <laughs> who I was with at that time. So whoever I was with at that time, that was the guy who I had the most fun with. Wow. Your, your uh, PR team's prepped you very well for this. <laughs> this is straight off the head. I don't have to think about it. This is, just, this is true to life. Uh, Nick Greenwood has asked, 
what was it like playing with uh, Bill Belichick? It, it was it was tough. It was difficult at first. I mean, you know, when when Bill first came to the Browns, he he come from the Giants and working under Bill Parcells, and so they were a, a, a tough organization. They were tough on the players, and it was it was a, a strict regime. And so he comes to Cleveland, and uh, he he's, he's trying to run the program the, the same way, where we have a, a bunch of stubborn veterans who want to do it their way. And so in the beginning, we were really clashing heads, and so. And and it it was really it was really tough in the beginning, but as we were there longer, Bill became more of a players' coach, and it started to work out more, and we started winning more games. And I'm and I'm sure you know that was a, a learning situation for him, and he learned a lot. Being we were basically his guinea pigs of being a, a head coach, and so he, he's been able to evolve as a head coach, and, and look what he's done now. So we had a question from Aaron. Do you wish you could have played in today's NFL game with the changes to the rules, or did you prefer it back in the day? Well, I wish I could play in today's game, not, but, not because of the rules, but the way they play offense now. The, the, the field is so spread out that I think I would have a field day in, in, in this game. So the, and. and with that in mind, the rules would help because they're not hitting as much and you can't hit as much. But but being spread out in, in space with, with the running backs, with the, the receivers and the guys who are hybrids who go back and forth, it would, it would make it a lot more fun for me. Not only because of that, but because then I'd make hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. What's the um, craziest thing that's ever happened to you during a game? Oh, man. And that was David Vos. Well, one time, well, we, one time we were playing in Cleveland. We were, I think, we were playing the Jets, I believe. Yes, the Jets, and I, we were uh, on kickoff return. And so, you know, in the old in the old stadium, it was early in the year, so it was still the baseball field before they covered everything with grass. And so they they kicked the ball off to us, and I'm back deep with, with Joe Morris who was playing with the Browns with us at that time and they said no matter where the ball goes I have to get it so they kicked it to the other side so I ran all the way across the field to get the ball and I'm on the baseball warning track so I got the ball and, and downed it thinking I was in the end zone <laughs> because the warning track split between the end zone and and the field, and and those guys came down and they still hit me. They didn't hit me like they could have hit me, but but they still hit me. And I was like, oh, so I I like down the ball on the on the two yard line. Oh no, nightmare. So John Walsh asks, what was your favorite ever play as a Brown? Well, because everyone says it's the two punt return against the Steelers. That, that, that sticks out. But my number one play is when we beat the Raiders in, in I believe, it was 1992 at the, the, the couple seconds on, on the clock because I, I got to score, score the touchdown with two seconds left on the clock. And when you're a kid, that's all you dream of is scoring a touchdown to win the game with no time on the clock. And I, and I got to experience that. Yeah, congratulations. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, great. 
Um, what advice would you give to uh, Callaway or Peppers on uh, punt returns? I mean, first and foremost, it's all about securing the ball. So they, they have to get out there and, and make sure they secure the ball, which what they've been doing a good job of. And then it's just a, a, a matter of picking picking your shots, picking your spots. You got if you have a ten other guys in front of you who are working hard to get you a, a good return, it, it definitely makes it a lot easier. But you're always gonna have to be able to make somebody miss. And then when they get that, just hit the sideline, hit the wall, what have you, and, and, and get up the field. And I, and I think those guys have been doing a good job. They just haven't had that many clear opportunities to, to make the big play. Mm. So a question for me, Brett Favre always hints that if anyone was willing to pick him up, he'd make the return. You ever been tempted? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell people, if, if you can guarantee me that you're, I'm not going to get hit, I would do it. You see, that's a di there's a difference between me going out there and trying to make a return uh, or come back on, on the field and Brett Favre. He plays quarterback. He don't have to get hit. And they have rules where they can only hit them a certain way. Me, if I go out there as a returner, a, a running back, a receiver, I'm still going to get hit. And it's not really going to matter how they do it. That some guys might just take the shot just because. And, and my body can't handle that. Yeah, with the current rules we've seen at the start of this season, they've got to literally pick you up as a quarterback. Can't even push you over. They've got to lay you down, almost puff a pillow and pop it under your head now. It's, and, then uh, give, and then give you a blanket, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jeff Risden has asked, do you see your return skills in any other current NFL players? I, I still, I still say Tavon Austin because he's one of those guys who catches the ball and he, he's one who makes guys miss. It's not about, it's not always about speed, which he uh, he has, but the key in in, in returning not only that having speed and, and and blocking in front, but you have to be able to make some somebody miss because it's always going to be free guys running down the field. And so I, I think about Tavon Austin being able to do that and make people miss and, and create space himself for when people are coming down there free. All right, great. Well, I'm going to introduce someone that we met on Sunday. We met him in a, a pub and he had your uh, shirt on and we thought, this guy's got to be on the show. So uh, this is uh, Lima. He's one of the uh, British back, um, backers. And he's wearing your shirt and I, he had to come on the show. So you've got some yeah. questions for your hero, yeah? Absolutely. Uh, well, Eric Metcalf, uh, a pleasure, sir. Uh, so firstly, let me say congratulations on being nominated for the Football Hall of Fame class of 2019. Uh, did you ever envisage yourself achieving such a feat uh, at the beginning of your NFL career? Well, I don't, I don't know if I ever thought it would really happen, but... You know, my, my, my greatest fan, who, who was my mother, told me I was going to one day be in the Hall of Fame before I ever stepped on the field. So you always, you, always, you always hope for something like that. And I still don't know if it will ever happen. But when you step on the field, you, if you have anything about you, you, you think greatness. And so I go on the, when I played, I felt like I wanted to be the best at whatever I did. And, and if I was able to achieve that goal, it would be great. Absolutely. It's not, it's not your first accolade, uh, one of many throughout your career. Um, but what does it truly mean to you on a professional level and a personal level uh, being acknowledged like this uh, by, you know, and being 
and being uh, around so many uh, luminaries. It, it's awesome. I mean, when, when you think about the, the NFL Hall of Fame, I mean, they've been playing football for 100 and some years, 100 plus years, right? And there's only like 300 guys in the, in the Hall of Fame. So it's a very exclusive group. So when you're even nominated for that or considered, you have to feel like that, that's something special because it, it's, a, it's the toughest Hall of Fame to get in. And so if people think that I have done enough on the field to even consider me, then I, I, I got to feel like that's special. So you've endeared yourself to many Browns fans for uh, many memorable moments uh, you gave us. But in, the, in your time as a pro, what were your most memorable moments uh, on the field and off it? Well, on the field, I, most memorable has to be the, the two-pump game against the Steelers. I mean, because I've never heard a stadium rock like that. I've, I've never seen so many people who are actually touched by that game and, and, and what happened in that game. Just not only because we won the game with the two-punt returns, but, but of course, it was against the Steelers. And so that's what people in Cleveland and, and Browns fans really, truly appreciate. And so that's, that's probably one of my most memorable games of, of, of all time. And, and then off the field, I think it's just being in the locker room like I said, in 1989, with, with those older players, Browns players, and they were—it was just a special place to be because it was the camaraderie between us and and going out there on uh, on the field and, and off the field because we did so many things off the field. Bernie Kosar used to take the offense out to dinner like every Thursday, so we'd all go and hang out and do things like that. So that's that's what I really enjoyed, and and that's one of the things you miss when you're down playing is just not being around the guys anymore. I'm sure. I'm sure every single Browns fan would have loved to be there with you as well. I'm, I'm sure, that, but we, we had to keep them away because that's that would have been one of the nights where I was having the most fun with those guys. <laughs> uh, so, according to an interview earlier this month uh, with 92.3 The Fan, uh, you estimate the Browns winning seven to eight games this season. Now, heading into week three, a game, uh, the week three game against uh, the Jets on Thursday, has that number changed for you considering losing the potential of uh, number one, Josh Gordon, uh, the uncertainty at the kicker position and a lack of cohesion and understanding in the offense due to considerable changes uh, to personnel? No, I'm still sticking with my guns at seven to eight. And I'll tell you why. Really and truly, I thought that we could beat both of them but I didn't count those two. Ooh. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't count those two as, my, as one of my seven or eight. So I, I'm still standing tough with, with my pick. And, you know, and so I think it will be all right. It's just everybody needs to relax. We're going through some things, which every team does. You just have to fight through it, and, and we'll win some games. We'll win tomorrow or Thursday. So you uh, call Jets as a win, Eric, yeah? I did call that one as a win. Yeah, if Eric says it, it happens, yeah? <laughs> it's going to happen. So those Bud Light refrigerators will open. But you're not having any, though. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy everybody else having them. And then I'll wait till after the show that I'll have whatever I'm going to have. <laughs> uh, can you say a few words about your father, Terry Metcalf, uh, in particular about your relationship with him, how he influenced you and how it uh, contributed to what you were able to achieve as a player and as a, as a father? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
we we have a great relationship. He lives five minutes away from me, and so uh, you know that's father son relationship. And growing up as a kid, I always wanted to be like my dad. And so you know when I first one step on the field, I I wanted number twenty one because he wore it. I wanted to do everything that my dad did. I I watched film of him when he was at the St. Louis Cardinals and, and, and playing. So I, I was trying to emulate him when I when I stepped on the field. So I that's that's who I wanted to be and I think I am who I am because I wanted to be like him. And I'm and so, you know, it's it's it's, it's great having that that relationship with your father. I mean, most times sons wanna be like their fathers, regardless of what they they do. And so it just happened to be that my father was a football player. He did actually get drafted by uh, Major League Baseball. So I often think, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this guy didn't play baseball because I probably would have wanted to do that. <laughs> and football is too exciting. So I'm, I'm glad he chose football. So your son, Makai, uh, six foot four, 108 pound receiver now at Montana State Bobcats, has begun his football journey. Looking at his tape, uh, he has that Metcalf speed, agility, and athleticism, that of his father and grandfather. Uh, what are your hopes and, and his aspirations for the future? Well, you know, I, I just hope that he has the, the best experience he can playing. And I mean, he's redshirting this year in college, and so he, but he's really anxious to play. But I think redshirting is good for him because he, he just turned 18 two weeks ago. And so it's, He's actually 190 pounds, and so being 6'4", 190 pounds, just turning 18, he red shirts. He'll come back next year at 200 pounds, and he'll be he'll be ready to withstand the, the hits and everything like that. But so I, I'm looking forward to big things from him. I mean, he, he can he can play football. He's 6'4", like I said, but people won't expect him to be like me or my dad, which makes it a lot easier because they don't expect him to be a kick returner and running back and, and, and slot receiver and like they just expect him to play receiver, which he can do. And so the, the, he has a, a different pressure than I did when I played because I was the same as my dad. And, and, I, and as far as his aspirations, and he, he never says it, but just knowing him like I know him, I know he's thinking NFL one day. And, and I mean, and I'm one of those I'm one of those people. If if you're not thinking the highest level, then how are you ever going to be good at something? So actually, that was going to be my next question, which was: uh, Is Mackay Metcalf a name that we will see in the NFL uh, in the coming years? Well, you never know. I mean, it's, you know, there's so many things that that have to happen and 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 work out properly in order for that to happen. You got to avoid injuries. You got to, in fact, have the opportunity and 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 have good good seasons while you're in college. But but I think if everything goes, goes right, when you're a 6'4 receiver who's over 200 pounds and, and you can run routes and, and, and test the ball, I think you have a good shot. Well, this time last year, there was a uh, quarterback that was tagged as a uh, third, uh, third day three pick and uh, ended up going number one. So you never know what happens in just one year. What's your views on uh, Baker Mayfield? Well, first of all, I always have to say this. He went to Oklahoma, and I went to Texas. And so I have to, I have to get that rivalry part out of there before I start talking about it because I was always against him when he, when he was in college. But I think, I think Baker 
he's, he's, he'll be a good quarterback once he finally gets on the field. I mean, he, he's, he's shown that he, he's, he's a winner. I mean, actually more so than I, than I thought it would be. And then, now, so now when he gets his opportunity, he'll, he'll, he'll lead them to some victories and, and, you know, we'll just see what happens. You never know where the team will be when he finally steps on the field. So that's, that's what we have to wait and see first. And if you were picking the uh, pump returner for the Jets game tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, two days, are you going with Callaway or Peppers? I'm going with Callaway. I'm going with Callaway. I mean, Peppers has, has done it for a long time. He did in college, had a lot of plays, both offensively, defensively, and special teams, and, and, and he can do it. But I, I think... I think when you talk about Antonio Callaway, the, the fear factor is is greater. I mean, so they'll they might they might try to kick the ball away from him. They might not, but when he touches the ball, they know that the chances are, if, if you give him a scene, he can take it to the house, as he showed on the last play of the game or close to the last play of the game the other day. How good was that moment? It, it, it was it was a great moment because I was actually I, I don't I don't have direct TV so I have just cable so I had to go to a, a cigar bar and watch the game but I was sitting next to a guy and I told him we're still gonna win this game <laughs> and he was like no before that touchdown I was like we're still gonna win this game he's like no and he got the third and third and whatever and then fourth and five or whatever and I was like we're still gonna win this game I didn't think we were gonna take a shot like that <laughs> to <laughs> to try to win it. But 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 that 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 was a great play because the, the the separation that he got on that guy once the ball was in the air was, was spectacular. So you've always been a model professional, and since retiring in two thousand eleven, uh, you've looked back, looked to give back to your community and inspire young uh, af- athletes, uh, such as your track and field and athletics um, uh, sports outside of the outside of the NFL. So um, what my question is, is uh, we often hear about professional footballers uh, having to battle addiction, domestic issues, and criminal behavior. Uh, what are your thoughts about the matter? Well, I, I, don't, I, I obviously don't condone any, any of it, I mean, especially the, the violence and domestic, domestic cases and all that. I mean, I, I would hope that, that people don't get into drug addiction and things like that, but it it, it does happen. And in fact, my, my father, when he was done playing, it, it happened to him. And, and, and a lot of times, especially when guys are done playing, they get into the drug situation because they don't know what to do because all their lives they've been playing football and now they, they, they have to find time, do something, they try to ease their minds and everything like that and they get into it so I, I can understand it I'm not with it but I can understand it and it's and, it, and it's a tough situation so we, we don't want anything bad for for the former players future players current players but we don't want I, I personally don't want anything bad for for people in general and so I, I you know I just I just hope that people get along people can stay straight and narrow and, and, and trust their trouble Sorry, um, so I just wanted to continue with that. So with your, with your sort of uh, community work, working with young athletes at track and field and athletics, um, do you think these issues can be dealt with and support offered at the high school and college level to prepare these young men entering the NFL? 
I think so, and I and then I, I because if you have someone who's aspiring to be a professional athlete, especially with me going and, and talking to kids or, or being around them, they they can they see that if they do things right, they can be they can be like me because I'm down there, I'm with them, I'm talking to them, things like that. And so I think when they have someone who, for the most part, being on a straight and narrow, they can they can see that it it really really can happen. And so they need to hear it from people who are at a level that they want to be at. When they're just talking to their friends all the time, it, it, you know, and, and seeing things on TV, it's it's not getting through through their heads. But this is this is serious. The the key is to try to to go to college, get a degree, and try to get a job because everyone's not going to play professional sports. And I think guys, guys especially, need to understand that. Although everybody wants to play professional sports, it's not going to happen. So people like myself and, and other players, current and, and former, need to instill in these kids that, you know, being straight and narrow is, is okay. It's, you know, everybody doesn't have to be the cool kid and, and, and do things just because everyone else is doing it. Just do what you need to do to take care of yourself and, and eventually your family and everything should be all right. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. Okay, Thank you. Eric, this is the fun part of the show. We have got a bingo machine, and we're gonna we're gonna pull some numbers out, and Jack's gonna uh, say them, and we're gonna ask you three questions from the list about the Browns, and uh, we're gonna put you on the spot and ask you to answer them. Is that okay? Yeah. Is this rigged? <laughs> <laughs> Can be for a small price. Technical issue. What we got? Ball number two. Eric, it's not rigged. Ball number two. So, how many full quarters will Baker Mayfield play this season? I'm gonna go with. Six. Mm. Very good. Ball number eight. How many sacks will Miles Garrett get this season? Nine. As low as that? Nine. Because he's going to start getting... Get more sacks. I I would hope he gets more, but he's going to start getting double teamed a lot. And that's going to slow him down. They're going to need to triple team him. Yeah. Ball number seven. Which Browns player will finish the season with the most tackles? Joe Silbert. Ooh, solid choice. Very sad. Do you think he's going to get a Pro Bowl game this year? Uh, on the team, I would think Miles would be the first one. I, I, that's, he would be my first. Joe Joe has a shot. I mean, I, you know, the, the unfortunate thing about the Pro Bowl is if you don't do something super outstanding, you have to win lots of games. You know, and so a lot of times, if, so if they don't win a lot of games, a lot of people don't get recognized because they're considered on losing teams. And it's, it's unfortunate because just because you might be on a, a team that's not in the playoffs or what have you, that doesn't mean that you didn't have a, a great season. So, I mean, I, I hope that all of them can make the, the Pro Bowl, but it's, it's a tough deal. 
All right, excellent. So here's my favourite question we ask everyone. What is your very, very, very hot take for the Browns this season? And be as bold as you want. We want something really that makes people go, wow. My very, very hot take. Woof. Very bold. You want me to go very bold? Big, big, big. Very, very bold and big. Then my number has to change. And that is that they win the division. Ooh, Ooh, I like that one. That's good. That's going to be my that's going to be my big bold prediction. So I have to change my number of how many games they went, even though I'm sticking by. But I have to change it because <laughs> I'm going with the bold prediction they win the division. Yeah. Well, if you'd have told me two weeks into the season we have the same record as the Steelers, I'd have probably laughed at you. So um, no, you never know. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's some games. They're going to have to obviously win some games that people don't expect them to. But my eight games that I, I picked them to win, I, I think they should, they should be good bets. All right, Eric. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, you come to London twice a year, so hopefully next time you come, we can meet up for a beer. Or, or vodka. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have beer. I won't. But, <laughs> but we can meet somewhere and... and I'll have a beer and uh, I'll take you out for some steak. Say thank you very much for your time. Um, okay. And yeah, congratulations uh, again on the, uh, uh, the Hall of uh, Fame nomination. I appreciate it. And, and, and next time I'm on this show, I want everyone to be wearing 21. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> if, that, if that's what it takes to get you back on the show, that's what we'll do. All right. I'll, I'll buy a shirt and we'll get rid of Jack. How about that? <laughs> Because the, the old the old style looks better than me. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I definitely agree with that. He has too many stripes on. I would have never had that many stripes on my jersey. But but I, but the old style looks better. I would have cut cut off and then one white and one orange on the, on the sleeve. All right, there's, there's no option. I'm getting a I'm getting your jersey when I'm in Cleveland next. Okay. All right. All right. Great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and. Uh, uh, fingers crossed we all have a fantastic day on Thursday. Yeah, we will. Appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot, mate. Uh, thanks a lot, Eric. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and listening uh, listening to you speak and respond to our, our questions. I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, Metcalf fans listening to this and watching this live. Um, so thank you very much for your time. And uh, do come and see us next time you're in London. I will for sure. Thanks, guys. All right, Eric. Final words are... Change is coming.